Shake hands, say good morning, please. I invite you to share your names with us and with one another on the friendship pad as it passes your way. Greet one another and uh, join with us in our coffee fellowship this morning between uh, services. Um, you may also, during that time, get a flu shot, a free flu shot over in our fellowship hall. So check that out. Uh, the information's here uh, in the bulletin. That'll be going on all morning long from 8 until 12 p.m. I've been asked to announce that our gals group that meets at 5 this afternoon, the place of their meeting is changed to Tortilla Republic. That's 480 South Coast Highway. Uh, Tortilla Republic. Next Sunday, uh, we're going to have a special Sunday focus on the outreach mission of Laguna Presbyterian Church. You may not know, but we have an outreach that extends around the world. And we're really grateful to God for that. And there will be representatives of uh, many mission organizations that we support and other groups uh, who will be with us. And you can visit with them uh, in the Fellowship Hall this coming uh, Sunday morning. This, uh, during the week, our mom's group uh, begins on October 13th on, the, on Friday, and it meets through November the 10th. And the instructions are there in the bulletin. At midweek on Tuesday, Wednesday morning are our pastor-led uh, Bible studies in which we work with the text that we'll be preaching on the following Sunday. October 12th, our Sacred Story prayer group. You can join up this morning out in the patio. That'll meet on um, Thursday afternoons from 4 and to 5 p.m. Our men's retreat is coming. Uh, October 20th through 22nd. You can still sign up for that. John McKegg is our, our speaker. And uh, if you want a great, fun, inspirational weekend, men, let me encourage you uh, to be present with us. Follow along then in all of the uh, announcements related to this week. There are many things going on. Let's prepare our hearts now as we come into the presence of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we bring many different thoughts and feelings with us this morning. We bring our nighttime dreams. We bring uh, our sleep deprivation and uh, our oversleep and uh, all the stresses of our lives. You invite us to come into your presence because you are here already. You've been at work in our lives even before we were conscious of it. So we ask that you'll bless us this day that your Holy Spirit will bring illumination to your word and that we will be caught up into the mystery and the wonder of your divine power. This we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Please join me for our call to worship. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he Will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will, it will be, be a healing, healing for our flesh and a refreshment for our body. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, the Lord make his, his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Let us give thanks, thanks to, to God. God with songs of praise. Amen. Let us stand and worship the living God.
Blessed be your name, the land that is plentiful, the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name, so we sing. Blessed be your name, and found in the desert place, I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? My tears
Why, Lord, must evil seem to get its way? We confess that our sin is deeply shameful, but the wicked are openly scornful. They mock your name and laugh at our dismay. We know your providential love holds true. Nothing can curse us endlessly with sorrow. Transform, dear Lord, this damage into good. Show us your glory, hidden to us now by evil. O Lord, come and search our hearts. Hear us now as we come to you in the silence. Amen. Hear the good news. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. May the God of mercy who forgives you all of your sins strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep you in eternal life. Thanks be to God. Amen.
invite you to open your Bibles to the Psalms, Psalm 4, this morning as we continue reflecting on this prayer book of Jesus and the prayer book of Israel. Psalm 4 and then over to Ephesians chapter 4 and 5. At the beginning of the, of the Psalter, there is a morning psalm, Psalm 3, and then an evening psalm, Psalm 4, like the gateways into the whole body of the prayers of Israel. Psalm 4 then. Answer me when I call, O God of my right. You gave me room when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long, you people, shall my honor suffer shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. When you are disturbed or angry, do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, oh, that we might see some good. Let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and wine abound. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me lie down in safety. The Apostle Paul's word to the church at Ephesus, chapter 4, verse 25. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength, our Redeemer. Calm our souls. Speak to us from your word. Bring illumination, Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone here ever suffered from jet lag? Last May we came from our trip from the Middle East and through Italy and in the process moved through several time zones, crisscrossing back and forth, finally to arrive in Los Angeles. And it took me about 10 days to recover from my jet lag. It was so difficult to get that inner biological clock adjusted. Maybe you've never had those difficulties, but I suspect if you've ever traveled from one zone to another. One of the things I enjoy about uh, international travel is to look onto the screen and, and see the pathway of the plane and its journey and to trace where it is in relationship to the shadow on the earth. There is something profound that happens in that movement of the shadow from light to darkness. The circadian rhythm 
that is built into our very bodies, into our genetic structure, that if neglected, and if the, the biological boundaries are not observed, so that if we work 24-7 and we do not get enough rest, sooner or later we can be in trouble. Uh, the Nobel Prize actually was given this year, the Nobel Prize in Medicine was given to the three American researchers who studied fruit flies and in the process found themselves studying plants and animals and humans in that biological, chemical, genetic, protein, subconscious process of our bodies that allows us to accumulate a certain amount of protein in the night when we sleep in our cells that disintegrates during the day in our waking hours and which requires us to go back and to sleep again. Blessed are those who sleep in peace and who know these rhythms of life and work together with God to bring that inner rest and healing that we all need. If we don't do that, we become subject to all kinds of dysfunctions, stresses, illnesses, everything from heart attacks to obesity to ADHD, you name it. If we do not get enough rest, if we do not keep a Sabbath, if we do not know when to go to bed and rest, we can find ourselves in trouble. To read the article this week about Japan and the problems that they're having there, the work ethic that is so built into the culture that many younger people are dying suddenly of heart attacks. The business and the culture, cultural community simply requires people to work 24-7. And in the process, they become sleep-deprived and rest-deprived, all for the sake and the glory of the economic system. And it's destructive. And we need to learn from that process People who go to college, graduate schools, have to learn this process. I had to learn it. When I was growing up, I loved to sleep. Saturday mornings, that was my favorite time, especially at the university in the dormitory room. It would be overcast outside and raining and sleeting and snowing in northwest Texas. I'd pull down the shade in the dormitory and I'd just sleep till noon. And then I began to realize that if I was going to pass my courses, that if I was going to graduate from the university, I had to learn to work. And I was taking one of the most difficult courses at the university, zoology. And we were dissecting, and we were listening to lectures, and we were learning things that I didn't know about, and it was so exciting and stimulating to me. And I wanted to do well, and I knew... Unless I work at this, and it's a great risk whether I can accomplish this or not, unless I work at it, I won't pass the course. So I gave myself to it. I remember those many nights in the middle of the night, getting up in the dormitory, going down to the study hall in the dormitory and sitting there trying to cram facts into my brain so that I could pass the test later that day. And you know what? It was amazing how quickly my grades improved. when I learned to work. I went to seminary and began to apply the same methodology and I was in the registrar's office at Fuller Theological Seminary and uh, I said uh, to the registrar, this New Testament theology course, this is one of the most difficult courses in the school. Huge syllabus filled with multitudes of fact. It's going to be a multiple choice final exam I'm going to get an A in this course if it kills me. <laughs> she looked at me with a sweet smile on her face and said, well, Jerry, 
what good will it do you if you're dead? <laughs> Medical school students oftentimes experience these dynamics, being required not only to go to school, but to work in hospitals around the clock, so they become sleep-deprived, and you don't want one of these doctors work on, on you. When you're operated on on Monday morning, you want to make sure the doctor's had a good night's rest. Atul Gawande, who wrote that wonderful book, Being Mortal, that many of us are reading for a discussion in November, shared his own experience. He said, I believed that together with my work and my science that I could and medicine could heal all human problems. The only difficulty I had was that when some of my patients began to die, And I had to face the fact that maybe reality was playing a game and had rules that I did not have. And I began to have dreams, I began to have nightmares about my patients who had died showing up in my house and in my bed along beside me. And I was filled with amazing fear and anxiety that I had committed some crime. And I had to get these bodies back to the hospital. He said, sometimes I could get them in the car, and sometimes I couldn't. And the frustration built up within me. And when I did get them, and their blood filled up the trunk of the car so much, that it was like black oil oozing everywhere. And even when I did get them back to the hospital and on the gurney and pushing them through the halls, I'd go hall after hall and I couldn't find the room that they ought to be. And I was in panic and suddenly someone would cry out to me, hey, what are you doing? And suddenly I'd awaken from this nightmare. My wife would be holding me. I was all clammy and filled with anxiety and fear. He said, I needed to learn something. I needed to learn how to live and how to be at peace and to accept the limitations of life, my own limitations, some of which had been built into the biology of my life in the rhythms that life itself would force me to observe. Remember one of my professors in psychology wrote in a book, and he's writing for pastors, he said, this guy was a psychiatrist, and he said, you pastors, you think there's no time you can let down and just rest. And the result is you get depressed and worn out and sleep-deprived. He said, I'm absolutely convinced that depression would go away if you would just get nine hours of sleep a night. And I thought to myself, you've got to be crazy. One of my friends told me he had learned how to get by and to work hard on four hours a night. And so I tried to follow his example and got sick. And I tried six hours a night. And that didn't work either. So I've had to learn to sleep whatever time my body requires and it is amazing how good you can feel when you get a good night's sleep. God seems to be on his throne in heaven. And the birds are singing and the air is clear and all is fine. Why can't it be that way every day? Eugene Peterson in his book on the Psalms Put it this way, which I love and I want to read. 
He said that God built the rhythms of creation into the biology of nature. In the daylight world, it is easy for us to suppose that we are in control. In the night world, we relinquish our grip on jobs, people, even thoughts, and, and experience the will that is greater than ours, the God who answers previous to our asking, who acts previous to our prompting. We never arrive at a condition where we are beyond sleep, self-sufficient in 24-hour control. Daily, we give up consciousness, submitting ourselves to that which is deeper than consciousness in order to grow and be healed, be created and saved. Going to sleep is biological necessity. It can also be an act of faith. Even though it is decreed in our bodies that we return to this sleep, it is not easy. We want to stay in control. We want to oversee the operation. Evening prayer is a deliberate act of spirit that cultivates willingly what our bodies force on us finally. And I love that sentence. Evening prayer is a deliberate act of spirit that cultivates willingly what our bodies force on us finally. And this is what Psalm 4 is all about in the history of the church. Of providing a spiritual discipline and a prayer that we can use as we are ready to lay our heads on the pillow and to surrender to the biological necessity of life and well-being. And it's a spiritual discipline. And the psalmist lists several steps that one can take. And I would be the last one to tell you that I've been successful in praying this prayer, because I haven't, but I'm working on it. Number one, be angry are disturbed. We go to bed at night and oftentimes we are churned up on the inside by all the voices we've heard during the day. Some of those voices have shamed us. Often it's our own inner voice that has shamed us and we do not know what to do with that. But the circumstances of our lives leave us by the end of the day angry. I remember waking up on 9-11 and seeing the, the high-rises in New York City falling and the bombing of explosions in Washington, D.C., and realizing that someone had done this to us and wounded the soul of our nation and my soul. I walked to my office and began to pray the Psalms and to journal. I realized that I needed to get focused on that day. And one of the things I became aware of was that I was angry. I woke up last Monday morning after the events in Las Vegas. And it was incomprehensible to me how any human being could take an automatic weapon, turn it into a machine gun, and kill nearly 60 people and wound 500. Then I realized I'm really angry. Enough is enough. Who's going to be held accountable for allowing such circumstances in our lives, whether a person's mentally ill or thinks he has some reason for doing what he's doing? Who is going to say enough is enough and pass some laws that will make that impossible? There's no justification for that. And part of me wants to just go to the window of my house and shout out, I'm angry as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, we're, we have a country now in which anger is running neck deep in our divisions and our polarizations, our angers with one another. 
If there was ever a time in which we needed to process our anger, to be angry, and secondly, not sin, it is now to learn how to be angry without being destructive because anger can be destructive. James, the brother of our Lord, said, you know, uh, be slow to speak, slow to anger, be quick to listen. Don't let your anger get away with you. Your anger does not work the righteousness of God. Nevertheless, we find ourselves angry. We go to bed at night. We may be processing what we're angry about. And one of the ways we translate anger into sin is if we plan revenge of how we're going to get even and what we're going to do to someone who's dishonored us or dizzed us or ruined our reputation or whatever. It goes on and on. And every one of us is aware of these dimensions of our lives. Be angry, but do not sin. Understand. Be angry, but do not sin. Ponder and be silent. How long has it been since we have given ourselves time to listen to ourselves? To the inner voices. What are they saying to me about the condition of my soul and the well-being of my life? I need to listen. And I need to reflect and to meditate. The more we listen to ourselves, the more we come to know ourselves. And John Calvin was right that the more we come to know ourselves, the more we come to know God. Because somewhere God's involved in that process of dialogue about what's really going on in our lives. Just to be silent, to examine the day, to get ourselves centered to get in touch not only with those dimensions of our lives that are destructive, but as the psalmist says, to get in touch with all those areas of our life for which we have reason to be filled with gratitude and thanksgiving for all of God's good gifts. It begins to balance out. He talked about contemplating, I have more grain and wine than when they're in abundance than they do when they think they're wealthy. I've been blessed. And you've been blessed. We all have. And we need to think about all the reasons we have to be thankful to God for his blessings, even when we're hurting. Be angry, but do not sin. Ponder it on your beds. And be silent. And then offer up an acceptable sacrifice to God. Offer it up. Let go and let God. And what are we to offer up? Maybe all those things that we'd be ashamed to talk about during the day and all the things that could be destructive. We could be fighting all day long thinking about somebody that hurt us or that we think hurt us or whatever or all the circumstances of our lives. Whatever it is in our lives, just Whatever you think your trouble may be, offer it up to God. A few years ago, one of you gave me a little plaque for my office. And I needed it about that time. It's in my office now, and I oftentimes look up on the bookshelf and see it there. Um, when you're going to bed at night, give all of your troubles to God. Because he's going to be up all night anyway. <laughs> he is. And somehow God is sovereign and running the universe. He's in control. We're not. But God is. It leads me to that last imperative of the text is to put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. 
And when you do that, oftentimes you learn to trust other people as well. I, I remember in 1993, I, I was driving my car out in El Toro and had a panic attack, and I thought I was having a heart attack. And it scared the whammies out of me, and I drove myself to the hospital emergency room. I told them, I think I'm having a heart attack. Can you check me out? They took me in. They gave me some Valium, a heavy dose of that. It didn't calm my heart down. Then the doctor said to me, well, the only way we're going to know for sure is that we're going to have to put you to sleep for a while. And they put me to sleep. Amazing thing. They put me to sleep to restore the balance in my body. And when I awakened an hour later, my wife was there, and a psychiatrist was waiting for me. <laughs> and his question troubled me all the more. He said, you ever contemplated suicide? Well, no, I haven't. He says, well, you're carrying a whole lot of internal stress. And you're in charge of the world, and if you don't let go of some of this and rest and take a vacation, this is going to be tough to heal. And so it was a long journey back to equilibrium. When I was in, I began going to Al-Anon 12-step programs and I learned to work through those steps and admitted I was powerless <laughs> over people, places, and things, and all the other things of life that we get addicted to. Alcohol, drugs, sex, food, rock and roll, you name it, we're, addic <laughs> we're an addicted culture trying to fill up that inner vacuum. You just look at all the medicines that are available to help you deal with your insomnia. I bet you if I were to look through your prescription cabinets at home, I'd find a whole bunch of those pills some in mine also. I came to that second step, came to believe in a power greater than myself who could restore me to sanity. I was insane. Came to believe in a power greater than myself that might love this church more than I loved it who might be able to do in this church what I could not, who might be able to solve the problems of the larger church that I've discovered I cannot, but who loves me in such a profound way that I cannot easily imagine. It's why the cross of Jesus has become such a central symbol for my life of learning to let go and let God it is only that love manifests in self-sacrificing love to restore my life, to heal me, to make me whole that allows me to live each day. So I came to believe in a power more than ever before. I, I thought I had it. And I began to talk about it in meetings with people, to trust people enough to say, this is what's going on with me. Can you help me? And I shared it one Sunday morning and I was amazed how many of you have gone to the hospital too thinking you were really sick. Well, we all are in some ways. And then I made a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of God as I understand Him. In this sense, God revealed in Christ. The burdens began to be lifted, but it's never completed. It's an ongoing project. I'm a work in progress, and so are you, and so is the church. With all of our imperfections and struggles with life and difficulties in sleeping, God is at work, and He's in charge. And so we can say with the Apostle Paul, I have become absolutely convinced that there is nothing in life or in death, no power above or power below or on the earth that can separate us from the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. That's, he is the hope of the world, the light of the world, the center of the peace for which we long, the healing of forgiveness and hope for tomorrow. He is what we need in the depths of our souls. Welcome to the journey, pilgrim. 
We're in it together. Sometimes, whether we like it or not, weak and strong, broken and whole, we're in it together for the glory of God. I'm so grateful for this congregation that has been there for me and us over all these years. Mediating the mercy and grace of God, how much the larger world around us needs to come through these doors and find you and find God. I will lay down my head at night and sleep in peace knowing that I am safe in the arms of God. Lord, touch our lives where we are not yet complete, where the cracks are wide and the light is shining through. In all those dimensions of our lives that cause us to stumble, even to fall, and all those persons and fantasies and names and faces that prayed through our minds, somehow help us to join in the rhythm of creation to be made whole, to sleep in peace. We pray in your name. Amen. I invite you to stand with me and let's affirm our faith together. Words from the study catechism approved from our 1998 General Assembly, we read responsively. What comfort do you receive by trusting in God's providence, the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, watches over me each day of my life, blessing and guiding me wherever I may be. God strengthens me when I am faithful comforts me when discouraged or sorrowful, raises me up if I fall, and brings me at last to eternal life. Entrusting myself wholly to God's care, I receive the grace to be patient in adversity, thankful in the midst of blessing, courageous against injustice, and confident that no evil afflicts me that God will not turn to my good. Thanks be to God. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering. Oh, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine.
us pray. God, you are our safe place to hide. You are our mighty fortress. You are our ever-present help in time of need. We can and do turn to you in the midst of our troubles. In this week, in these past months, and in this year, we have witnessed so much pain and devastation in our world from the tragic events last Sunday in Las Vegas, to the fires in the Northwest, the hurricanes in Texas, Florida, Puerto Rico, and the earthquakes in Mexico. Lord, there are so many across the world who have had to flee their homes and have no safe place to lay their heads and no way to nourish their families. May we continue to reach out to help, to pray, to offer comfort, and so extend your reign of peace. O oh God of peace, our world is full of difficulties. Lord, we may feel afraid, but it will not overcome us, because we know we can put your, our hope and trust in you. And so we pray, where there are wars, Bring your peace. Where there is starvation, fill the empty bellies. Where there is despair, bring your hope. Where there is animosity, bring your reconciliation. Where there is abuse, bring your tender mercies. Where there is poverty, bring your charity. Where there is illness, bring your healing. Where there is grief, bring your gentleness. Where there is injustice, bring your justice. Generous God, we offer our gifts of time, of talents, of money. Use us and them as building stones for your kingdom, awaiting shaping and placing within your loving purpose even as we wait for the fullness of your kingdom to come, praying together the prayer you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. Amen. So sweet, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Grace is everything. Grace is everywhere. In God we live and move and have our very being. Go forth to trust in the sovereign grace of God who built the very rhythms of creation into our bodies, into every plant and animal and fruit fly. Go forth to live in peace and to sleep in peace for the glory of God. Amen.